spoiler alert! Before listening, know that we are going to be spoiling parts of this film as well as others. If you wish to watch your film spoiler-free, turn back now before it's too late. Ready? On with the show. Hello and welcome to Post Cut Feature Tableau. I am your host, actress of the stage and screen, Sarah Peterson. With me today, I have a lot of special guests with us. We have VFX artist David Vierkan. Hey, what's up? Editor and writer David M. Brown. Hello. And our wonderful sound designer, RJ Infusino. Hi. We're special guests. I know. We're generally hosts. I feel so special. I'm yeah. sorry. That's okay. Our special guests slash hosts, mm-hmm. because you guys are always special to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wanted to make it, you know, super sappy because this hey, is season two. We're talking about our favorite topic I on know. Earth. That's why Stars. you are special guests because you guys are like experts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just Uber call nerds. myself yeah. an expert now. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the things that I don't know if you guys have picked up from all of our recordings or anything. You know, we really hide this really well. We're all really big Star Wars fans. So, no way. So today, because we're all nerds. What's have, up, nerds? Uh, <laughs> so, we have nerds. a very special treat for you. We are going to be discussing one of our favorite topics, lightsaber battles. Yay. Mm-hmm. Woo! Okay, or maybe just Star Wars in general. Well, right. two specific. We're doing two episodes with two specific battles and then how they link up. So for your next three tableaus, we're actually going to give you an insight on what our next three episodes are going to be. We are going to be discussing the lightsaber battle between Emperor Palpatine and Yoda. Ooh. And then we're going to be doing Obi-Wan and Anakin. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that one. (laughs) And then we're going to be discussing the parallels between the two and how they really move the trilogy forward. Because as we all know, lightsaber battles are the coolest part of Star Wars next to the spaceships. Absolutely. Mm. And so they all aren't bad either. The blasters are really cool. <laughs> um, they all have really important significance to how the series moves forward. And so we really want to just highlight it because they are masterful, if anything, in terms of choreography. Because you got to think, these people were fighting with sticks, which mom and dad, you know. And that was you, not sped up. That was them doing it. That was it. them doing it. You know that you're not supposed <laughs> to play with sticks like that, guys. So Unless you're cool like us. Or you're in The Princess Bride. They're not sticks. Yeah. Playing with sticks. Well, I mean, when you're recording, they're sticks. Mm. Yeah. At the time, they were... They were a weapon of a more civilized age. I want to say they were fiberglass rods. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, today's episode, we are going to focus solely on Palpatine versus Yoda, which... Hello. The fight between good and evil. Mm. Absolutely. (laughs) Shocker. Mm. Yup. David M. Brown, would you like to kind of start off with why you thought this would be a really good topic to cover? Well, the idea is that people watch Star Wars, and yes, it is a children's thing. It's it's a fantasy for children. But as an adult, you can look at what the adult who wrote it is putting behind the images and using these images to tell a story other than what's said in dialogue. For example, the most obvious during the Palpatine and Yoda lightsaber duel is when Palpatine starts throwing the uh, pods of the Senate and destroying them. They're fighting in the Senate rotunda, which literally represents democracy, Mm -hmm. and he is literally destroying it. Right. And he's using it against the Jedi. Oh, dude, I didn't realize that one. 
That's which he's been doing all through the first tri- all through the prequel yes. trilogy. But if you watch the first movie, Phantom Menace, he comes to power within that space within a lawful way, and that is him exerting his power upon the Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how old? I, I know you were an adult at the time, Dave, but everyone on the show here, how old were you when you saw Revenge of the? Oh, ooh, um. That was 15 years ago when it came out, 2005. Mm-hmm. I think I was like 14 when I first saw it. Because I didn't watch the prequel trilogy until well after they had come out. Mm-hmm. Even though I'm a big Star Wars fan, my parents never, we never bought the movies because my parents do not like Star Wars. I was 32 years old when I saw it. Oh, what was happening in 2005? Revenge of the Sith. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, like in our, in our political system, that was George like- George Bush was still president. Which goes to the political thing of when Anakin says, if you're not with me, then you're against me. That was a Bush line right. when they went into Iraq. If, if you're not with us, you're against us. Right. But it's it so was he, also at the start of uh, at the very beginning, yeah. the very beginning of the, the second, recession, the second Iraq war, and then everybody yeah. was like, "Do we have a Sith Lord in office?" Yes, you do. Yeah, <laughs> I was twelve years old when I saw it. So, and I'm just saying this right now, being an adult rewatching this again and again, it's you, I see all the symbolism that can relate to everyone in real life, and that's just more awe inspiring. And how much I appreciate. I know people don't really like the prequel movies but mm-hmm. i still have a huge appreciation for the amount of detail and effort that was put into them i don't think it's that people don't like the prequel trilogy especially after disney's no what it is this is what it is when episode four first came out it was a phenomenon no one had seen anything like that right the effects on the movie the story itself nobody nobody was expecting it and then it you a have a whole new animal right? right and then you have empire right. and then you have return of the jedi and then you have the gap Right, because he wants to be able to to do more computer th- stuff with with movies and everything. He wants to. Push ILM was kind of his baby as well. He was pushing the mm. boundaries of that at the right. same time, and he wanted to create a story to do that. Generally, everything he did with ILM at that point is a test for the prequels. But when he makes the prequels, you have all the adults; they like it. The kids kind of, eh, I don't know how younger kids took it. I took it just fine. Some adults were bored by it, you know, because it's the political intrigue. But you need that political stuff in order to to get to episode four and most people, and I'm going to say this again, I was just about to say this at the beginning, people watch Star Wars and they think it's solely for children and its main audience is, but an adult wrote this adults write these stories, adult things go into it. And if you open your eye orbs and use your brain to connect those things, you can actually see what's going on. The way Palpatine comes to power is like how Hitler came to power in World War II. He did it through legal means. So, RJ, how old were you when you saw it? I was like 9 or 10, and I loved it. So that's an interesting thing. I was about like 9 or 10 years old, and I saw it with my dad because me and my dad loved... We loved the movies. We were just all over them. Uh, <laughs> my sister, Dina, loved The Phantom Menace when she was younger. I remember because she dressed up as Padme, uh, not like all dressed up like the princess. queen version. No, like where she's like in where she's got like a little blaster or whatever. I don't remember the, the white what? outfit from the second movie. The second movie, right? Yeah, yeah. And All right. she, I think lo- everybody I mean, she did lo- that year because I know I did. Costume sales rose. Anyways, go oh, on, yeah. RJ. I want to keep hearing this story. So when I saw Revenge of the Sith, I was super into it, and of course, the main scenes that I was into were like the lightsaber battles. It was such a. I remember it just being a dark movie. All around, it was yeah. a cool, fun movie, and that was more it's when I was everywhere. Into. It's where the villains yes. win. It's like Empire. 
the the sun the sun is going down. Sets I remember get darker being and darker as you go through the movie. And I <laughs> mentioned this to Sarah earlier. The very opening when they're in their Jedi interceptors and they go across the the Venator class Star Destroyer, right? And then they do that nice little barrel roll. They go downward from your perspective. It's a foreshadow of Anakin's downward spiral into the dark side. Right. Yeah. And that goes back to me noticing things that I never noticed before when I was a kid. When a kid, you're just like, oh, cool, spaceships, lightsabers. Oh, right. that guy has four arms and four yeah, That's all you're thinking about. When, when you come back and right. watch it again, you're like, oh, my God. And it kind of has this deeper meaning now. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, if anything, every time I watch it, I think I love it more Which, and more. that's why we're, we're bringing this topic up. So going into this deeper meaning. So the literal destruction of democracy that we're talking about, it, they're destroying the Senate chamber. They're destroying the the space where Palpatine right. came to power, effectively destroying anybody else's chance of coming to power. Right. And it, and like the only thing that's left, because you said it earlier, imagine the senators coming in after the battle saying, what, what took place here? Right. The only seat that's literally saved is the one Palpatine is raised on in the center when he comes to address the Senate. And that is a huge, huge huge foreshadow because that's just him completely destroying all of the chances of the senators mm -hmm. you know rising to even more power and you see padme right before the right. battle and he's rising up to that power and you don't see the senators afterwards mm -hmm. they're just completely wiped off of the face right so what i'm talking about is right after mace windu effectively helps the, the emperor disfigure himself mm -hmm. in right. their battle he addresses the Senate in the Senate chambers and everything is all hunky dory. It's it, in terms of set design. It's beautiful. It's done. It's it's nothing. And you just see Padme just completely go, you know, this is how democracy dies. Right. With thunderous applause. With thunderous applause, which is one of my favorite lines mm -hmm. from even the 2016 election, <laughs> you know, because that was all over the place. And yeah. it's, it's like, you know, you think about it. It's like, yes, we sit there and we effectively destroy our democracy in, in the ways of allowing these people to just completely overpower Clean. it. And then right. he literally destroys democracy mm. by just destroying that Senate chamber. It is no longer Cause he, inhabitable because he knows it's, those it, powers of Senate. It's not viable anymore. No one need, it doesn't need to be there. That's not how the power is going to work anymore. And it sucks. It's like, oh, yeah, you're watching <laughs> and, it all go down. And the other thing is you have it's the old republic. You know, it's the republic and republics die from within. They exactly. don't die from right. the outside. They appear to die from the outside only after for the corruption and cancer eat it from within exactly which is what now, palpatine is i have something to bring up that i just kind of realized as we were talking this is very much comparable to the so order 66 in general is very much comparable to the godfather scene where the the baptism scene where he mm -hmm. has all the other leaders of the families shot and killed yes like, oh my goodness is it very much that. comparable yes and it's comparable to what the United States did to the Japanese internment camps. Oh yeah. Well, then there's the obvious Holocaust. Right. Six point six. Exactly. Million. Yeah. Exactly. Well, oh. I was listening to a history podcast. Really? Oh, I didn't realize the number. Hmm. Isn't that wild? Six million. Yeah. Six point six million somewhere yeah. around there. But it's it's they're talking about the Jewish population because right. I think overall it was eleven million people that yeah. were slaughtered right. in the Holocaust. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I use the word slaughtered on purpose. Oh yeah. I, I don't, I'm no, not, were, I'm it, not being PC about that. The Nazis butchered people and it was cruel and terrible. Yeah. Exactly. And that's exactly we what we're kind of history. seeing play out within Order 66. Is, is that parallelism there? There's another parallel because 
the clones kill the Jedi with ruthless efficiency. Exactly. Which is what the Nazis did to the victims of the Holocaust. They worked in a very efficient way. Which brings us to our next point is how Palpatine and Yoda are pretty much the highest powers within their respective parts of the Jedi right, their, Sith, yeah. right. their respective parts of, of society, yeah. right? Yeah. RJ, lead us into that one, will you? So different from Anakin and Obi-Wan, who are Jedi Knights, they were the Knights representation where they're just kind of pawns in the system where they're like, they're essentially their armies. At this rate, Palpatine and Yoda, there's like no going back for them. They are the highest power, the highest, the, the actual representation of the Jedi and the Sith. That's mm -hmm. all. That is all they are at this point. They don't ask, they don't mince words. That is it. They go right at it because that's what they are. Palpatine was a Sith. Right from the get-go, Yoda was a Jedi. Right from the get-go. There's not there's nothing going right, back there's no to them. lack of a better term. There's no foreplay in the fight. And if there is right. very little, they go through a little bit of posturing a little bit in exactly. the office. And then it's right into it. They uh, they don't mess around. No. No. And it, it's no. very and, and it's gonna sound funny that I say this. It's a very religious symbolism between the two of them. Sure. It's like a crusade, yeah. Because you have Palpatine on the one side, which is, is the force of evil. And then you have Yoda on the other side, which is the force of good, which is a very, it's a very important symbolism that we mm. bring into, into every film. We always have a very distinctive good and a very distinctive evil. Counterpoint. I don't really think it's evil and good because as we light go, and dark. it's light and dark. It's passion versus uh, pa like selflessness. Right. We say, I think we say good and evil for, for the kid. Yes. Because it's easy. It's black and white for them. Right. Whereas an adult, you say light and dark, but you cannot have light without dark. Exactly. And so is you're sitting there and you're and you're looking at this and they are the two polar ends of the spectrum. Bingo. Mm -hmm. Bingo. They will always be the two polar ends of the spectrum because as a kid, we are introduced to Emperor Palpatine as the leader of the dark side. As the leader of evil, mm -hmm. according to Luke. Yep. That's how we see it through his lens. We are mm -hmm. seeing it at the end of an oppressive government. Exactly. Right. And so it is evil, essentially, at that point. It is evil to the beholder of the information. Bingo. And so you are sitting there and you're, you're trying to make sense of it when there is no sense to be made of it. And Yoda is always seen as the good guy because he's the force. He is the one with the force, as we see in... Return of the Jedi, when he literally becomes one with the Force. Through through being taught how to do that by Qui-Gon. Which and we don't know at that point. Like, that's right. just something that we just didn't know. Right. You figured that they did that just by, like, their own nature. Right. I think. And then when the prequels come, you it get, gets you, ex explained, right, explained. Right. Where a lot of it becomes explained. So we see Yoda in this ethereal form. He's like an angel. Yeah. When we see him as a Force ghost. He's mm -hmm. like the wise monk, you know? Exactly. You, you never really see them as inherently evil right. right so i mean it's just how how we perceive it right so mm. at this point we are definitely seeing the two ends of the spectrum you have both the light which is the force and the darkness which is the the dark side it is a point of view it exactly <laughs> to be honest with you i find this battle to be the most important of the entire series because you never really see Yoda battle. Yeah, and it's also kind of a fan service because everyone wanted to see Yoda fight the emperor before this ever happened. Because Yoda was always seen as the wise master. And 
Emperor right. Palpatine was the u- ultimate evil. It's mm. like you want to see the two titans fight. He right. was the Mr. Miyagi of the show. Exactly. <laughs> because you don't really see Mr. Miyagi fight either in the Karate Kid. Until the until Karate Kid Part 2. Until Karate Kid Part 2. Mm. Where, and the only fighting that you really see him do mm. is a very defensive. Very quick. Right. Very quick. And not to hurt someone, but mm-hmm. to make them think they're going to be hurt. And he plays with their brain. Because it goes back to, to Empire when he... When Yoda teaches Luke, the force is used for knowledge and defense, never for attack. Yoda never attack. Well, he I does. Say, he does force push him once, right, but that's attacked. a retaliation. That's not an it's attack. A de- it's a defense mechanism, because right? It- it's to show him, hey, yeah, you got me with the lightning, but I can. I'm just as powerful as you on the light side. And in addition to right. that, so when the Emperor tries to escape out the door, yeah. what does Yoda do? He stands in front of him with the lightsaber at to the stop ray, him. Right, he is a wall. You attack the wall, then he's going to attack back. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly. how the whole battle right. takes place. And so he doesn't yes. necessarily fight defensively, but he also doesn't fight offensively either. Right. He is a very retaliatory. He's reactive. He's a retaliatory character. Yeah. He's, re- he's reactive yes. as opposed to proactive in the fight. Exactly. But I think that ultimately goes against him. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And I think he learns that, though. Because he teaches Luke that. His failure teaches him. Mm-hmm. Yes. His failure teaches Luke that, you know, yes, there is always an equal and opposite reaction when it comes to anything that's going on, to, to quote right. Isaac Newton. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, that you have to give yourself the ability to have a reaction. Right. right. Versus I'm just going to wait and wait and wait. Sometimes you right. have to let the reaction come to you. I was going to say, Arjun, uh... can you talk about how the music is reflective of the sequence because it's intercut with another sequence? Oh, what do you mean by that? When you're listening to Battle of the Heroes, which is aptly yes. named, because you know they're all heroes in, the, in their own rights. They all believe uh, they're the hero of their own story. When you're listening to how it's intercut between the battle between Obi-Wan and Anakin, which we will bring up more further in that discussion, do you have right. anything to kind of bring on in terms of the Emperor Palpatine versus Yoda section of it? So if you listen, I mean, a majority of the Yoda and Palpatine battle, a lot of that music you're listening to, and it's technically a redemption of uh, the Phantom Menace, really. I don't know if you kind of hear it, Mm -hmm. but... Duel of the Fates? Yeah, the Duel of Fates. But yeah, you listen to when Yoda and Palpatine are fighting, you're listening to the Duel of Fates because you're literally witnessing, it's just like Qui-Gon Jinn fighting Darth Maul. It's the same difference. It's a gar- uh, actual guardian of the light and a guardian of the Sith. People that will not change perspective whatsoever. Two Whereas, very powerful forces clashing. Right. Whereas when Obi-Wan is fighting Anakin, Anakin's obviously conflicted. It's just he he knows he doesn't know what he's he knows that he does not ah that's and that that's fuels his rage even more so yes for, from an orchestral point of view mm-hmm. I might not be as versed in sound design as RJ is but I do know my my musical instrument and I'll bring it up more in the Anakin Obi Wan version but when you're listening to the Duel of the Fates with Anakin Obi Wan it's trumpets and brass mm-hmm. instruments mm-hmm. which are very poignant sounds they are very direct. They're very loud, boisterous, and you hear the notes and they're very pointed. Yeah. They're rigid in in the music. When you're watching the Palpatine Yoda sequence, it's the lyrical voices. It's it's the it's the the choral. Yeah. It's the choral aspect of it. It goes to what Qui-Gon always said about the living force and the cosmic force. The more ethereal voices are the cosmic force, like the wills. Yeah. And then like you say, the brass instruments, which are more pointed. Are that living force? That's what you see, you hear. Right. 
So you're having this battle of the wills mm. with Which feels Palpatine like- and mm-hmm. Yoda. Feels like a whirlwind right. of power and and epic change. Right, the wind. It feels like a wind is turbining the the wheels of the world. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, but with the choral voices, they're very lyrical. They are very almost angelic like in nature yeah. mm-hmm. and they're slower the tempo really picks up when you're looking at obi-wan versus it's al- anakin it's almost like they're in pain you can feel yeah you can feel the confliction within the music like mm-hmm. rj was talking about but you right. can also feel their adrenaline pumping through their veins yeah and for our eu fans because i know yeah. they're out there it's like it's it's the idea of the force having its balance and trying to exert its will Mm-hmm. It's like what Kriya said. It's important that the the force is trying to do something to manipulate all these people. Because mm-hmm. essentially, even Palpatine and Yoda, who are at the height of power, mm-hmm. are still just puppets of the force in and of itself. And now this is a climactic moment where magic, like not magic, but major change is mm. happening all at once. Right. The sides are fully flipping. It's almost like you know the poles have flipped. Right, right the pendulum now. is swinging right. in one direction. It's like the direction has changed. Exactly. Uh, the music is really um, it's awesome. I like. It. <laughs> <laughs> oh, John Williams was just John perfect for, for this. John Williams awesome. is great, and he's I, the man. And I will. Yes, he is. <laughs> as Moose Butter has told us, I think we've kind of really picked apart the Palpatine and Yoda section of it. I believe so. Um. So. If you guys want to keep hearing this discussion, move forward. Check us out next week when we discuss Anakin versus Obi-Wan. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Yep. We will hit you all up in your inboxes next week for the new episode, Anakin versus Obi-Wan. And have a great, great rest of your week. Want to find out more about Postcut? Check out our website at www.postcut.com. There you can find links to our episodes, as well as our coffee account where you can donate to support our show while there send us a listener request for films to review until next time thank you from all of us here at postcut